Hello, friends. This is your friend, Kent C. Dodds. Uh, this is actually, that's the way I always start the Chats with Kent podcast. Um, maybe I should come up with a different <laughs> different thing since this is the Remix podcast. And we're so excited to have you here for this first episode of uh, the first official. We had like a trailer episode, so there was like a little bit there. But this is the first official episode of the Remix podcast where we talk about how you can make your user experience better for anything that you're doing on the web, how you can make that better. And I'm so excited to be joined by my friend, Shande Person, and I'd love for you all to meet her. So Shande, could you give us a little intro to yourself? Hey, Ken. Yes, I'd be glad to. I'm Shande Person. I am a senior software engineer at Netflix. I'm also a, and sorry, I'm on the UI side. So I'm a UI engineer. My tech stack is typically just React and TypeScript. I also use a bit of GraphQL on the job. Um, in addition to that, I am an instructor for Egghead and an organizer for a community called React Robins. We're a communi- community for, um, it started out as a as an in-person meetup, and now that we're in the virtual world, everything happens virtually. So every month we'll do um, an event dedicated to folks in our community who are React enthusiasts who identify as women or non-binary folks. So if you're interested in that, check us out on Twitter. You can also find me on Twitter, and my handle is just my first name, at Shonday. Oh, that's awesome. You, you don't sound busy at all. So <laughs> being Plenty of spare uh, time. <laughs> yeah, that, that you had so many things to talk about. You also, I want to mention you're a single mom, and you have an adorable four-year-old boy. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, you're like, you've got tons of stuff that you're doing. How do you do it? <laughs> Uh, it's a lot of coffee, a lot less sleep (laughs) than, than I would like. Um, and yeah, I take, I take breaks, but, um, I've been on this anti-burnout campaign recently and been working on focusing a lot on just stopping to smell the roses and take, take time to be present with my family and my son. So, um, these days you won't be finding me as, at as many, conferences and, and talks and things. Um, really, I'll just, I'll be at the park with my, with my kiddo for the most oh, part. That's, that's wonderful. And that makes me even more appreciative that you've given me some of your time for this podcast. So, wow. Like I oh. feel honored. Thank you. <laughs> of uh, course. That's awesome. Um, and I, and I love that you're really being thoughtful about that. There was one year, uh, when I was first starting to get into speaking that I went to 17 conferences that year. And, um, and my wife was like, can we not do that again? <laughs> uh, cause when I, when I'm gone, like she, she has all the kids to herself. We, we have four kids and it is a lot of work. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I don't blame her. Yeah. And I, um, another thing, like I, I'm, I'm definitely not the person to tout, like, just go crazy, go nuts. Don't, you know, don't do 17 conferences if you have the option, but, um, I was very intentional in 2021. Um, I had these certain goals that I want. I set out to achieve, and I'm very extremist when it comes to anything. Like it's, I'm all in or I'm just not in it at all. Mm. Um, so when I first entered the tech space, I really, really had this goal um, of becoming an engineer. And then once I moved into engineering, I wanted to become a a senior and I wanted to work at Netflix and I did everything strategically to get myself in a position where I could pass an interview at Netflix. 
now that I'm here, that's my cue to kind of take a break. So I'm not, I wouldn't advocate for the hustle culture or anything like that. Um, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of like skipping sleep and, um, you know, skipping your child's events and things. Just be, be intentional about the things that are important to you and focus on that while it's important and then feel free to let it change. Like I don't have to be a a big conference speaker for the rest of my life. Like now that I've gotten to that goal, there's new things on my plate. Yeah, oh, I I totally agree with that. My my early career was hustling so that I could enjoy the um you know what I have now, which I don't have to hustle as much. Although now I'm like co-founder of Remix and really trying to make this successful, so I'm kind of back to that. But like that's the cool thing you you can kind of change, um uh, and and it, you know be flexible with your career and stuff. But um one other thing that I'm really grateful for is that just last week I gave you a tour of Remix. And uh, so you gave me that time also. And then you you uh, told me that you'd play around with Remix a little bit in preparation for this podcast. So you could kind of give us a first impressions uh, sort of experience. Um, but before we get into that, when we were talking uh, in our, our guided tour, you told me a little bit about your path to get into tech. And I was just really impressed by that um, and, and just thought it was really awesome. Um, and also you have a, a unique perspective that I think works nicely with Remix too. So can you give us a little bit of a tour of, of how you got into tech in the first place? Yeah, I would love to. So um, I it's no secret, I am a career switcher. I spent the majority of my career in sales. And um, most of that, most of the sales career was in tech sales. And how I got into sales in the first place was... I, when I was in high school, just trying to decide on a major, I was going to go to school for fashion design. And I thought that fashion was the best combination of all of my skills and interests. I liked to draw. I liked to um, design and um, I liked to collaborate with other people. And I thought that, um, you know, just finding clothes that were a good fit for my customer was um, a really good use of my skills and my my mm-hmm. communication skills. So when I told my mom, who was a guidance counselor at the time, a high school guidance counselor, I told her that I wanted to go to school for fashion design. She was like, I will not pay for your degree if you go to oh. school for fashion design. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, well, what if I went to school for business? Because I want to have a fashion business. And she was like, mm. okay, you've got it. So <laughs> I, went, I went to school and I majored in entrepreneurship. And my entrepreneurship professor told me that the best way to understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur is to do a commission-only sales job. And I did mm. it and I loved it. Um, it gets you experience with that hustle, um, really understanding <laughs> what it takes. Like when when you're in sales, um, especially when you're in um, either a commission only or a um, SaaS sales um, software as a service, your customers are only paying for you while they like you. So it's important to mm. make sure that you're always in tune with the customer's needs, what makes them happy, in constant communication, checking in, listening for their requirements, and then translating that back to the people who can make the difference. Hmm. Um, so through my sales career, I got to hone in my skills for communication, great listening. Um, but I also got experience when I moved into tech sales, being able to really see firsthand, like my, my customers, um, I was working for a company called MathWorks, which, um, creates the software for engineers called MATLAB and Simulink. And my customers were 
literal rocket scientists. Like NASA was my customer. Blue Origin <laughs> was my customer. That, and That's not like um, intimidating at all. <laughs> right. And I'm like 24. <laughs> um, and so these people are very, very senior and super brilliant. And at the time, I, you know, my customer would be saying one thing and they'd be like, okay, I want MATLAB to be able to do this. Or how would I be able to do this? I'd have to basically take in a translator to understand what they're doing, which they're called um, sales engineers, take them in. Um, and then there was this game of telephone from the point that the information left the customer's mouth to the point that it got back to the developer team, if it got mm. there at all. And I really saw firsthand how how big of a gap there was between what the customer was saying and what that developer ended up hearing as their priorities, what was important to mm. the customers. Um, and developers a lot of times, and it's a, it's a shame, so it's kind of my personal mission, um, they live in this bubble where they don't get that the, the experience talking to the customers and um, understanding what their real needs are. Mm. They build the things that they think are cool or are gonna pre either create the best experience for them as a developer or um, just something that they think is going to make the, the tool cooler, whatever that means. Mm. Is it better than the competition? Is it faster? Um, but is that really what the customer wants? Um, maybe right, they yeah. just want this additional feature. Maybe they you built this feature that they're never even going to use because in their day-to-day -day <laughs> work, it has nothing to do with that. So um, my mission is to connect the customer with the actual engineer. And so I think that was a big uh, piece of value that I added to the team at Netflix. Our, our team is um, internal, but um, and so we have the opportunity to just have these conversations with other Netflix engineers and say, okay, is this what you want? Like, does this kind of meet your needs, or is there anything that you would add to this? Hmm. And um, get that get that constant feedback. But um, some engineers are scared to do it, or they maybe not lazy, but um, they just. It, they don't see the value in it. And so um, I am very vocal about creating a really good experience for the customers and, and for the, uh, for the, just for the people who are using your, your platform. So mm. that's kind of, uh, that's my, my value here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I think that's, that's awesome. And so you're working in sales. Well, we, we didn't quite get there. There are a lot of things I want to talk about, um, but I, I want to make sure that we we cover that transition from sales into engineering, because I, I feel like I'm always just really impressed, especially um, people who have are in one industry and they're happy or, or like generally happy there or things are going uh, going well and they have to kind of take a step back to, to be able to kind of start fresh in a new career. Uh, and especially uh, as a mother, uh, single mother uh, making that transition. Uh, so I, I'd love to give you a, a chance if you'd like to describe that process as well. Yeah. Um, so when even when I was selling to the engineers, I was really, so I was great at sales. Um, and I thought this was my calling, but I always saw something different for myself in the background, like maybe as an entrepreneurship. I didn't really see myself in the position of my sales manager or the the VPs. Mm. Um, but I, I knew there was something out there different now engineering, uh, in, from where I sat when I was selling to these rocket scientists, I was like, I need these advanced degrees and astrophysics and, you know, all these <laughs> different kinds of things in order to be an engineer. And yeah. I had already, I already had my bachelor's in business 
And um, I think it was a couple, maybe five years later, I went back and got my MBA. So I had a good wow. amount of student loans. Um, and I was like in my head, very invested in business. Like this is, this is my thing. Um, mm -hmm. There's no turning back. And I didn't see myself switching away from anything like that. I also um, had this stereotype of what an engineer was in my head. And I think we can all imagine <laughs> the yeah, engineer with like. <laughs> <laughs> Coke bottle glasses, <laughs> just sitting in a dark room all day, just plugging away. There's zeros and ones on the machine. Nothing yeah. exciting about that kind of life. That's not what I wanted. And uh, I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm too social for any of that. <laughs> any of that. <laughs> so I, I, that was like, no, I'm, that's, that's not the world for me. Mm. Now, fast forward to 2015. Um, I decided to quit the workforce and pursue my passions for entrepreneurship. So I started an online business, which, uh, was powered by Shopify. I was selling, um, basically anything you would find in a whole foods, like organic and natural foods, baby care, pet care. I thought what I would like the most about that was the selling aspect of it. And I was really good at that. I got some really big customers. Mm -hmm. But what I actually found was the most fascinating was learning Liquid, which is Shopify's Ruby-based language, to mm. customize my Shopify website. And so I was like syncing up these widgets with my site. I was integrating this and that. I was like building, you know, have these little banners and everything. I had this the coolest website uh -huh. of anybody. <laughs> and I had people coming to me like, hey, because I was part of these um, different entrepreneurship communities. And they were like, well, how did you do that? And could I pay you to do that for me? Mm. And I was like, so I could get paid for doing this fun thing. Um, so that was like a whole, that was like a mind blowing experience. But still at the same time, I had like um, all the student loans and I was in my head very invested in sales. And I thought that I needed to have a degree in order to do this kind of full time. Um, I ended up getting pregnant and then going back into the workforce because I needed health insurance. Um, mm. But I still had this idea in my head that like I wanted to learn to code as a hobby. Mm. And this ad came up um, for Codecademy, targeted ads. I, I know they were, they know what I'm up to. <laughs> um, and th this ad came up and I saw somebody commented underneath the ad and they said, hey, you don't have to have a degree to be a web developer. You can be like, I'm self-taught and I'm, I'm, I do mm. this for my job. And I was like, what? Like that was just like the, the, <laughs> the mind blowing moment for me. Um, and so I I, I got a six month subscription to code Academy, started doing it on the side. Mind you, I have a newborn and, um, wow. yeah. And so I gave myself like half an hour a day. Cause I'm like, realistically, what, you know, what can I dedicate <laughs> to this? Um, but I loved it so much. I would put my son to sleep and then I'd get my little half hour and I would stay up until like, 12, one in the morning, every morning, like three or four hours coding oh. because I loved it so much. I was so invested in it. Um, and so just one day, I can't even pinpoint the exact moment. I was like, I'm doing this so much. Like, I, I really enjoy this. Like I look forward to my time doing this. I should be doing this for a living. And, you know, mm -hmm. I looked up like what kind of money do engineers make or web developers make. And, um, I was like, you know what, this is, like, I, I think I could make a career doing this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, sales isn't because for me, it was sales was the safe path. And I know it sounds kind of funny to say um, if you have never been in sales before, because, you know, a lot of 
at least 50% of your um, actual take home is reliant on the success of the the market or your ability mm. to do sales. It's all commission. So it's, it, it is v- very volatile and risky. But to me, because I was always good at it and consistently good at it, that was my safe path. So mm. um, it was scary to think of taking a leap out of something that I had been in for 12 years while I have a young child and then um, became a single mom um, early last year, like right before the pandemic, um, wow. you know, and to make this switch, I, I ended up making the switch into engineering um, at the end of 2020. And I, there's, uh, like, I can't even fathom when I look back, I'm like, what were you thinking? But like, I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm so glad that I did it. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I was learning to code as my, like I kept my son home from daycare during, during the pandemic. Mm. So he was here. I was selling during the day and like kicking butt and then, you know, sp- trying to spend time with him at the same time, mm. all while being quarantined into the same room that I'm talking to you in right now. <laughs> um, and then trying to convince my um, engineering team at the company that I was at to let me interview for their for their um, engineering role. So I wow. use a lot of my sales skills to like... <laughs> get them to see, start to see me as an, as an engineer. And I would ask people out for coffee. And I had this whole like process of how I was going to, um, I was going to like kind of close the deal, like make this sale. Yeah. For them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then finally the opportunity came up and all of like the culmination of over a year of work, building projects, working with a mentor, speaking, um, writing blog posts, uh, I don't know if I already said building side projects, mm. all of that stuff. I was able to just flex in this interview. Mm. This is my one shot and I was able to make it in. So really proud of myself. But when I think back, I'm like, man, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> you yeah, were crazy. Yeah. That, that's amazing. <laughs> you should be proud of yourself. That like that it takes a lot of guts. And, and um, now you, like your senior engineer at Netflix, that's a, that is a big deal. Um, so congratulations on that. And thank you for thank you. giving us that, that, uh, that tour of your life um, in the last couple of years. Um, so as a, one of the things that you said earlier when you were uh, talking about how it's your mission to uh, connect what the user needs with what the developers are building. Uh, it, it really kind of stood out to me um, when, like getting this uh, tied into Remix a little bit. Uh, and we'll talk about what, what your first impressions are uh, here in a sec. But uh, one of the things that I really love about Remix is that it, it has enabled me to say yes when uh, I get a feature request of some kind. Um, so like one of the things that I think our end users want is um, what, whatever feature they want, but they also want it quickly um, and they want it to work well. And um, in, in many cases, uh, in the years that I've been developing software, uh, the answer is yes, we can do anything with enough time and money. <laughs> and so, like, uh, so that turns into a no pretty quickly. Um, for certain feature requests and things, or, or it, it turns into, let's put that on the backlog, we'll get to it never. Um, and so with, with Remix, I've found that um, it makes me productive enough and, and it gets out of my way enough that I can uh, build the types of features that my users are wanting and I can do it in a, a quick uh, turnaround time. 
Um, and so that anyway, that was just one thought that I had when when you were talking about how uh, you want to bridge that gap between what the users are experiencing and what the developers are building. Um, yeah. So um, let I, I'd love to ask you about um, what your experience has been as you've been playing around with it. So I gave you this tour about a week ago or so, um, and then um, you seemed pretty excited about it, uh, which is pretty common. People seem pretty <laughs> excited about it when when they uh, are kind of exposed to what it what it can do. Um, but uh, yeah, what is your experience been like just playing around with it for the last little while? Yeah, I think you um, really tied together a couple of different things too. So um, one glaring thing that I love about Remix when I was trying it is that it kind of marries the um, the developer experience and the user experience, and it creates a better experience for both. So um I, I don't even want to say oftentimes, but there are cases where you run into things like, okay, well, am I going to do what's best for the customer? Um, and if I do, well, the answer should be yes, but um, <laughs> right. in a lot of cases, like you're faced with these different trade-offs. And yeah. you know, if, if I want to do this, then they're going to be missing this, or it's going to make it tough for me because I'll have to do this, 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 and this just to get yeah. them there. They don't yeah, see well, all the work and, that goes back there. Go and, and not to interrupt you, but I guess I did, sorry. <laughs> but like, <laughs> Just an important point on that, that I always told myself that, yes, I'm going to do this thing that's not quite as good for the user so that I can have a better experience. But that's that is good for the user, because the better experience I have, the faster I can turn out the features that they want. And so, like, that was how I thought about the trade off and how I convinced myself that I could write something that would be uh, or or, um, have tools or whatever that would be better for me, because then I can deliver features faster. and I think I was rationalizing, but, but that's how I always thought about it that way. No, I think it's 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 perfect. Like it it definitely comes off, um, and I love it because it's just it's it, like I don't have to. Um, it's it's not this battle of me versus the the customer or the user. It's um, hey, let's we're working together. Like we're a team. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> let's get things done together. Um, so it it made it easy for me to just kind of outline how I would architect something either small as my own personal site, which I am going to do in Remix. I wanted to tell you that. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to do it in Remix. I'm very excited about that. Um, To something bigger, like the, um, I know we talked about this when we spoke last week, is our, um, the application that I'm working on at Netflix, which is an application that's going to be used by all of the Netflix engineers. Like I could see I could see it existing in both both worlds. And hmm. I had written a post about um, Next versus Gatsby. And I don't want this to be like a war on like which framework is the best or anything. Like, sorry, I don't know <laughs> yeah. where that voice came from, but <laughs> like which framework. But um, one of the, the things that I had to consider when I was thinking, should someone, should I recommend Next or should I recommend Gatsby to someone? is what size is your application? Like how many mm. users are you expecting? Um, is it just something small and it's not going to change very often? Or is it something that is going to change frequently like a store? And I can see Remix working with both. Um, yeah. You know, so you know, I don't know what your plans are. You know, <laughs> is it going to be something, an, an enterprise level um, framework or is it meant for the people like me who have blogs that, you know, 
maybe a couple of people are are going to read or mm-hmm. what or but but I can see it fitting into both areas very comfortably. Yeah, yeah. One thing that we often tell people is that remix scales up and down uh, with the complexity of what you're looking for. So um, even if you just say, I just have a single page, there's no need for JavaScript on this page. It's just like it has a form on it or whatever. And so like, I don't, I don't need React on this thing. Like there's not a lot to it, um, but I don't want to write it in straight up HTML because I do have like reusable bits and stuff. And so I want to have something to make that easier to maintain. And Remix is super well suited for that sort of thing, uh, especially if you have uh, stuff like forms and things. Um, and uh, But then on the completely opposite side, it's also super well suited for like that high enterprise-y things. And, and um, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, it's always been like, use the best tool for the job. And I, I, I realized that this is uh, you had to take this with a grain of salt because I literally uh, am a co-founder of Remix, but I feel like Remix is the best tool for every job. Uh, I can't think of a single web uh, thing you could put on the web that couldn't be made better by using Remix. And so, um, so I'm glad to see like that you're kind of seeing that same vision as well. Yeah, yeah, that was really exciting to me. Um, in terms of the user experience, that was the first thing that I was looking for. Um, the user experience is enhanced because one thing, no matter whether you're looking at a small blog or an enterprise level application, is users want things faster. And um, there are ways that we can kind of get around it. We can, um, you know, wrap things in suspense. We can um, just put everything on the client if we, if we want to. But um, mm. for them, they just want to be able to see an app when they when they you know make that request to the browser and then they want it to be interactive as soon as possible and mm. um the kind of granular boundaries that um you're able to put around I, I don't know if it's the nested routing aspect of it and you can explain yeah. this better than I can I'm just like throwing out terms that I remember from the website but um, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. kind of <laughs> it creates this appearance of like almost instantaneous interactivity like um mm. You you showed me how um, when the page is rendered, well, one, the JavaScript, I'm going to a bunch of different places, but the JavaScript loads a lot faster. Um, mm-hmm. But before it loads, you're rendering um, your components as HTML that actually work as an HTML component would. So like a button mm-hmm. would work or a form would work, um, an anchor tag, or if it's a link, it would work as an anchor tag. And there's ways that as I was playing around with um, Remix, it was really starting to hit home is, okay, I'm using this link component. It's called capital L link component in Remix. Um, So what I'm thinking is that when a a user clicks the page, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the request for the browser is made, Remix will render, after it fetches the data, render that let's say it's just a link, we'll render that link to HTML. Um, and that link actually in the browser for while that JavaScript is being loaded is a an anchor tag, like an mm-hmm. uh, HTML A tag. Um, yeah. So it actually works as an anchor tag would. So if the user is only interested in this one link tag and they click it, they don't have to wait for the JavaScript to load for the rest of the page or wait for any um, large bundles to be uh, loaded for whatever component is taking a long time, like they mm-hmm. instantaneously can navigate to the page. So it seems like it's interactive, again, almost instantaneously. 
and the user is not stuck with information that they're not really interested in. They can act on the mm-hmm. things that, that they're using and the page is responsive. Is that right? Yeah, no, you totally get it. Um, nice. So like we, we like to talk about how Remix works, uh, Remix apps work before the JavaScript uh, hydrates and everything. Uh, and that, that has some really awesome implications that you're just, uh, that you were describing. Um, so I, I think that is one of the things that I really appreciate about Remix as well. That uh, and and what what that does ultimately is um, you know it gives us really nice performance characteristics. Uh, the the loading experience is much better, um, and so like ultimately it comes back down to that user experience and and you know what the users are looking for, um, and so you can build an excellent user experience. And that's always the number one thing for for us at Remix is um, let's. Um, let's say the user experience is unmovable. You have to have an excellent user experience. Okay, so now given that we're not going to move that goalpost, let's see how we can bring a nice developer experience around that, um, which, as you said, is also quite good. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. So um, right, and then on the developer side, so yes, for the user, it solves the problem of me not having to be stuck with information or page that um, is slow to load or that I'm not interested in. If I have like really, um, terrible connection, I don't have to worry about, um, just dealing with a bunch of crazy reloading things over and over in order for me to be able to get the, get to the information that I want to get to. From a developer perspective though, you have these out of the box components, you have these hooks that make it so easy. Like Ken, I was so like, I was like, am I doing this right? Because it was so easy. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the data loading aspect of it. I was like, wait, so I just have to put in a little loader component and then it, it, the data's there. Like it was, <laughs> it was amazing. So I was, I was really impressed. I'm sure you get these reactions with everybody, but like, I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. So from a developer perspective, um, it reminded me of the excitement I had when, when I first used Next for the when I used Next.js for the first time because it was just kind of everything was already there that I needed. Um, but now we have the added like it's it's a lot faster. Um, I think you've mentioned that it's it it's a kind of language agnostic. It doesn't have to be React. Um, I use React, so uh, it's great for me. But I know that it's a web framework, so um, anybody can use it. So there are so many added benefits to it, but also just gives you out of the box everything that you need in order to make a really fast server-generated website, server-rendered website. Awesome. And so I, we actually just took a break for those listening um, because my son uh, was crying, and so I had to go take care of him. So we're... <laughs> We're both uh, laughing because we we love being parents and it's awesome. <laughs> and sometimes things like this happen. But um, we're uh, we're down toward the end of our time now, Shonda. And um, I think that if I were, I'm going to give you a chance to sum up what you think are the key things here. But if I were to sum it up, I would say the the biggest um, thing that uh, in this episode that we want to get across to people of like how they can improve their the user experience of their app is probably listen to your users. Um, and so like whatever it is, uh, whether you're uh, a manager, product manager, or uh, a team lead or an individual contributor, wherever you're at, um, what the work that you're doing ultimately is supposed to be in the service of your users. And you need to understand what those users really need. Um, and then like 
it's really nice to be able to use a framework like Remix that allows you to say yes when the user asks for something. So any other thoughts there? What, what do you think is uh, the big takeaway for you? I would say that 100%. Um, whatever you can do to find out more about your users, what's important to them, don't guess. Uh, even if you've been in your user's shoes, you're selling to other, or sorry, you're work, not selling, you're building for other engineers <laughs> um, like I am, you know, building for other engineers who work at Netflix. These are my people. People have a unique perspective and they can bring different ideas to the table. So don't be afraid to, if you have access to your users, interview them. If you don't mm. have access to your customers, see if you can talk to your sales team. They would be so glad to have your customers coming in for a feedback session. And mm. trust me, the customers love it um, to be able to feel like they have input as an advisor for what they love about your product, what they wish they could see. Um, and even sometimes just to vent about the little gripes that they have um, <laughs> yeah. and to hear it from you as an engineer, like this is the reason why we did that. Um, you know, there are all, there are cases where there are trade-offs that need to be made. But one thing that I do love about Remix is that it reduces the amount of trade-offs that you have to make. Mm. So it gives you the opportunity to have that great developer experience, get a ton out of the box, but also create a really amazing experience for your users, no matter if they you know, have this great high-speed internet or if they are working in a place in the mountains where they don't really have great internet, um, they are able to have as great of an experience as one another. So would highly recommend it. You will have your mind blown. <laughs> Go through that remix tutorial. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Shonda. And and I love your advice. Uh, I think this was really awesome, um, useful stuff for, for people to listen to. And and I'd love to actually feel free, people of the who are listening to, to tweet at both of us and and tell us about your experience interviewing your users or whatever you end up doing with this, uh, this ideas or these ideas. Um, and on that note, what is the best way for people to reach out to you, Shande, if they want to keep up with what you're doing and what whatever? You can always find me on Twitter. I am again my my first name is my handle, so it's at Shande S H A U N D A I. Would love to hear from you. Awesome. And also, you have an egghead course. Do you want to plug that really quick? Good call. Yeah. So um, I'm working on a course to be released in 2022 called TypeScript for JavaScript Developers. So you can sign up for updates on the website, ts4js.com. That's T-S-F-O-R-J-S.com. And you get yeah. some freebies there as well. Yeah, that's awesome. That That's great. I'm looking forward to that. That's definitely needed. Um, so those anybody who stopped this episode early is seriously missing out. So, <laughs> so those of you listening to the end, good on you. You, you get a uh, uh, shout out to that. That That is going to be really good. Um, Cool. Hey, thanks, Shande. I hope to see you some more in the near future. And um, yeah, we'll see all our friends later. Goodbye. Bye.